Hello and welcome back to I'm Glad You Exist. Uh, my name is John Leo and it has been a minute since I've uploaded an episode. Um, oh, there's been some things going on in my life. Uh, things I wish I could podcast about, but even that's a step too far for me. Um, the big update, though, is that I will be trying to put out more regular content because I'm going to have more time to do so now. Why do I have more time? Well, you remember that Masters I was doing? <laughs> remember remember how fun I was saying that was? Well, I dropped out of it. Uh, literally today as I'm recording this, I handed in my form withdrawing from the course. That wasn't something I arrived at quickly, although it could be said that within the first week of the first module, I recognised that there was something quite off about the course and it just wasn't It wasn't what I thought it was going to be and I honestly just haven't enjoyed any of it. Um, it was so difficult, it was a level of academia that I've never done before and it just slapped me around the face. Um, it just, it got to the point where I was like, I need to do something more for myself. Um, I need to focus on the things that make me happy because this is, this is not it. Um, I dropped out of university the first time I went in what most people would have thought is, thought of as a pretty, pretty risky move. Uh, it turned out to be the best thing I think I could have ever done with my life. Um, I'm so happy that I've ended up in the way that I have. So, you know what, sometimes you have to say no to things when you feel it inside you like this isn't the right thing it's not the right time for me maybe i'll do it another in a few years hence who knows uh right now though i feel a pep back in my step because i'm able to focus on the things that i want to do i love doing this podcast and i it had to take a back seat whilst i was working um because that's the nature of things um anyway speaking of podcasts uh speaking of social media I'm not on it anymore. Um, I'm taking a break from it because it was not great. <laughs> it was really affecting my mental health, um, which is an easy way to mask what that means. But basically, it just things kept going south for me on social media and I needed to step away from it for a while. So I'm trying that. It's really difficult. Um, and yeah, but that means that if you are listening to me right now, Odds are you're someone who already follows the podcast, so I don't need to post about it. Um, so that's going to be interesting. This is going to be the first podcast I've not promoted, although maybe my guest will. Uh, no pressure, Lorna, if you're listening to this and you haven't posted it. Just uh, says a lot about you, really. Speaking of Lorna, Lorna is my guest. Lorna is a really good friend of mine, uh, someone I met whilst I was at university. Um, she was going out with my best mate at the time, and we had an interesting relationship, which we kind of get into in the podcast. But the crux of why we are talking is because Lorna recently got an ADHD diagnosis and is now kind of teetering on the verge of an autism diagnosis. And this is becoming more and more common amongst late 20s, 30-year-olds and, and older people that are like, there's been something this whole time and I've been battling against it, but it never had a name. And then people get ADHD diagnosed and like, well, what? this is it. 
And what Lorna and I talk about is essentially what that's been like for her mapping it backwards and understanding how ADHD played a role in her life, but essentially she gave it a different name or she was overly critical of herself for things that simply were more difficult to her because of her brain's chemistry. Um, Adding to this the fact that I'm pretty sure I've got ADHD. Um, I started studying it to help with one of my clients and I felt like I was just learning about myself. It's, it's wild and it's becoming so less uh, stigmatized and it's becoming more and more common to see people get these diagnoses. So that's why I wanted to have a chat with Lorna to really talk about it. And she's so interested in the subject because she hyperfixates on things because she's got ADHD. Um, and we really get to to what it feels like emotionally to, to unpack having ADHD. Um, which is to say as well, like, for girls, ADHD is still underdiagnosed because it's still viewed as naughty boy syndrome, which we do get into within our chat. So without further ado, because I am rambling, this is Lorna Ashcroft. She is a fantastic photographer and she's now dabbling and succeeding very much so in graphic design. You should go and check her out. Um, links to her social medias are in the description. And yeah, I just hope you enjoy this episode and hopefully more coming to you very, very soon. Thank you for listening. Let's find out why I'm glad Lorna Ashcroft exists. This. I'll do a little clap. And I think, I think that's supposed to help you figure out some stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I feel all knowing now. Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny because I was listening to uh, the Bones and the Wasp cast before because you inspired me. Amazing. Just listening back, and then when it got to the bit talking about you being like, "Oh, now Lorna's actually heard that." Isn't that interesting? Although I tell you what is interesting is that's the first time you've heard it, isn't it? It is. I I remember it coming out. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, hard I'm... pass. <laughs> it's a no from me. Um, yeah. no. <laughs> no, I just thought I wasn't... I was... It felt weird to listen to. I probably wasn't in that space just yet, hmm. um, even though it was years after the event and two years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. I can't believe you filmed that or recorded that two years ago. Sure, um, yeah. But it was time. But I just felt because I was coming on to here... I just needed to know how everyone else spoke. <laughs> okay. Interesting you'd go with that podcast then. Yeah. <laughs> the one that has the least bearing on this entire show. Most people yeah, just go, the last episode, and you went, the first one. So the one with the worst <laughs> audio production has nothing to do with this show. You, who knows what you're going to talk about? <laughs> I can't tell you how I work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the point is you, you've come some way in understanding how you work, but it's still a journey. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I what a great podcast that was though. I loved it. Okay. Absolutely loved it. Just All thought good. I'd say. Yeah. Well, you know what? You'd probably enjoy the others, um, and you could you could slowly make your way through <laughs> your new favorite podcast. Well, I've dipped my toe in now. Yeah, exactly. Now you're hooked. Now you're infected, and the only cure is more podcasts. Absolutely. Okay. So, well. For for anyone who's listening, who's like, the fuck are they talking about? Um, so the very first podcast on I'm Glad You Exist on the network that you're listening to this on uh, is a conversation with me and my bezzy mate, Ollie Watts. Um, and that's as much as you need to know for that. 
But also, Lorna was a special character within the story. I am the one they call girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you were girlfriend, background character. Third wheel. Uh, third yeah. wheel. Well, I, f- I feel like we divvied up third wheel uh, between us. Yeah we, yeah, we chopped and changed. Sometimes it was you, sometimes it was me. Um, yeah. I think once it was Ollie, and I don't think he liked it, and that's why it never happened like again. It. No, <laughs> he did about him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what our our, uh, our Deeksha meditation evenings were. Oh, just were just crazy. a little bit of respite away from him. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be listening to this devastated. I know. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so we we met each other at. University, the University of Falmouth, the fine institution of art and liberal progress. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what is pertinent about that is, I I was speaking to someone about university the other day and saying about how I think it's a really good thing that it should be more accessible to to anyone who wants to go and do it. Like money shouldn't be a factor because regardless of whether the degree you get matters significantly to your career afterwards... It's three years where you really get to be selfish and just spend time on personal development. Absolutely. Now, we, I guess, I guess we can kind of say like the the crux of our conversation today is that we're talking about your relationship with ADHD due to a recent diagnosis of it, yep. but kind of tracking it backwards a little bit, and I guess starting. Well, I mean, do, where do you want to start with it? Because there's obviously universities where we met and we could I think it's interesting to talk about how the undiagnosed ADHD whilst you're at university manifested but have you looked back even further and gone where when did I really notice this but didn't give it a name yeah oh well completely that um it's still an ongoing journey as I remember parts of my life and I'm like oh (laughs) oh that makes sense now oh my god um it's crazy. I guess <clears throat> before I go to the uni type thing, maybe the origins of finding out about my ADHD, um, which all came from somebody I went to school with shared um, like a, a graphic of ADHD. And it was the ADHD iceberg. So um, the tip of the iceberg that's above the water is the symptoms we associate with it. And then underneath is the actual sort of the substance of what ADHD is and I saw that and I was like Tom my husband um that's you (laughs) (laughs) that is completely you um I'm sure you won't mind me saying he struggled with his head since he was 16 um and I looked at this graphic and I was thinking every single part of that bit that's under the water is what he experiences and he looked at it and he was like, oh, okay, let's let's delve a bit further here. So that went on to him getting a diagnosis. And then through that process, I just researched it and researched it and researched it. It's like, oh my God, this is me. This is mm. absolutely me. Um, the way it sort of manifests in, in um, my husband is somewhat the same as me, but I think he has a lot more of the inattentive side, whereas I have a bit more of the hyperactive fidgeting always got to move um we've got a special guest sorry <laughs> for, for anyone listening there's a cat that has joined the call um, it's all bilbo big bum <laughs> <laughs> you've got to be involved even 
even the fact that like the hyperfixation of of the research of yeah like, <laughs> I, I, i'm gonna find out what adhd is for for my husband yeah, is a, a trait of your adhd everything. yeah it is i have to know absolutely everything about it um and yeah and then i sort of looked at it again and i was like oh god that's my mum as well <laughs> <laughs> i sort of projected that idea to her and she was probably somewhat in denial for a while but not for very long hmm. um and as well you know she was looking at the symptoms in me and thinking yeah but I do that law and I was like well yeah I think you've got it too hmm. um and it went from there really and ever since it's been this crazy kind of I sound so cliche it's been a journey <laughs> <laughs> well I mean it has though but you, what at what point did you reflect it on yourself? Because it's interesting, isn't it? How we project those things of like, oh my God, I'm, I'm seeing the patterns. It's, it's emerging, you know, you've got this, you align with these symptoms, but at no point for at least a while, did you go, shit, that's me. Oh, like, yeah. When did that happen? Oh, it was definitely before his, um, his, uh, oh, I've forgotten the words now, assessment. It was before his assessment. Hmm. Um, because I sat in on his assessment and I remember thinking, well, when I go for mine, I don't want to go to that guy because I probably appeared more normal because I was putting on this normal front to uh, sort of help okay. Tom. Um, I guess because I constantly fidget, I am such a fidgeter. Um, like even now, like I'm screw. Probably shouldn't say this out loud. <laughs> How are you doing the same? Yeah. <laughs> I have a small wine bottle here. I'm not afraid to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just screwing it and unscrewing it. And yeah. then um, when I'm, I think it comes out more if I'm feeling anxious, I need mm. something to, to sort of fiddle upon. Um, it, it sounds silly though, doesn't it? Because ADHD is, is a huge thing. And to even say that you have ADHD for someone who, who only knows like a little bit about it, even if just like the naughty boy syndrome tag of it. Yeah. Saying things like, well, I fidget a lot. You're like, well, that's not a big deal, right? Everyone fidgets. Because <laughs> I went to the doctor and because I'm going through the process of getting an ADHD assessment myself. Um, I can touch on, on why that is. <laughs> but um, he was kind of, he put me on the spot, which I should have been prepared for, but that's my trait of ADHD of just not preparing for fucking anything. Yeah. Uh, and just like this podcast is just like let's just do it you know yeah. <laughs> do no research you've done all of it um and saying saying to him like well I find that when, if I'm trying to read something or concentrate I can't sit still like I have to mm. I have to like wiggle my toes in my shoes or I have to like kind of constantly yeah. be switching out and I he wrote down wiggles toes <laughs> like, well this isn't gonna go well is it <laughs> oh god not one of those doctors <laughs> yeah. it was interesting because he was he was really pushing back against the idea of getting a diagnosis because he said to me you know is it going to be helpful to get a diagnosis yes I, Why I said, people say this? it's yeah it's, it's it's weird isn't it but i, I don't want to pull focus so going back <laughs> to yourself then like so mm. you you found out through your research for Tom that yeah. it was like, oh shit, I'm seeing some patterns in myself here and then kind of start going down your own journey. When we reflect back at your life then, were there kind of key points where you went, shit, that was that? It was ADHD. It wasn't just, I don't know, however you saw yourself in another way maybe. Yeah, at so many points of my life. And as I 
tell you them, they're probably not going to be in order because they're just going to be as I remember them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the first thing that sticks out to me is, um, uh, so I finished my A-levels and then I was like, no, I'm not going to uni. I'm going to make it by myself. <laughs> 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 you know, that that whole chestnut. Yeah. Um, and I ended up working for my mum. So my mum has her own accountancy slash tax business. I feel myself falling asleep just saying that sentence. <laughs> um, sorry, mum. <laughs> and uh, what it enabled me to do was I really wanted to move out um so I started working for my mum was earning enough money to get my first place at 18 um I did courses qualifications in it I and every day I turn up for work I would fall asleep Mm. because it's not for me I'm not interested it's boring I can't do numbers so it was just awful I'd become all floppy I'd just flop all over the desk obviously my mum employing me I could take the mick a bit <laughs> um and I just couldn't do it I just could not do it and mum would always be like why can't you just focus on this I was like, because I can't <laughs> <laughs> that's frustration though isn't it because you're being told why can't you do this I don't know I it's don't know. just it's just me this stuff's yeah. really boring <laughs> yeah it is so boring I don't know how you sit here day upon day and do this no offense, it's been your career for years. <laughs> um, and then actually then going back to college, probably college is the first time that I would have noticed it in me. Um, so I studied classics. I love classics. I love the Greeks. I love Greek mythology. I love it. But I had the most boring teacher known to mankind. And I would go into his class and it was like this sleep mist would just come over me and I would nap. I'd hold the book up and I would nap. My friend would get really annoyed with me. (laughs) And then I started a Google, um, a Google, a doodle club in that lesson and everyone caught on and I was just doodling away. And that's how I had to cope with it because Mm. I couldn't focus on what he was saying Mm -hmm. because he was so boring. (laughs) It's that like the, almost the concept that, by doodling, by doing something active with your brain is helping you to to pay attention is so... People can't wrap their heads around that. Yeah, it, It's like... And the thing is, it is, it's a skill set I think you really need to refine because if I'm listening to someone on a Zoom call, I can't just sit here and just listen. I have yeah. to have my phone open, but I can kind of like be scrolling Instagram whilst listening to what the person's saying. It looks yeah. unbelievably rude, but it's like my brain is engaged with something which is allowing me to engage with the other thing as well. Absolutely. I literally was doing the same thing earlier when I phoned my mum, um, mm. having a conversation, but I have to be doing something at the same time. Mm. Always been the way. Always. And yet fidget yeah. spinners just make no sense to me. Do they not? No, they're just like the the flicky ones. I'm just like, well, it's boring. I can't, you know, whereas with the sweatband I'm holding, I can turn yeah. it inside <laughs> out, you know, I can kind of give it a little stretch. You know, feel feel the uh, the different kind of the stitching on it. Um, Ooh, yeah, that is yeah. multi sensory, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I might be autistic as well. Oh. <laughs> Again, cheers to that. <laughs> um. So, I mean, so other other key points in in the history of you prior to university that kind of stand out to because did you ever think that there's something like wrong with me or did you ever feel bad about it 
rather than just being like, oh, it's just, you know, a boring subject. You can just say it. Oh, it's a boring subject. I didn't no. like history, but, you know, it's more than that. It, yeah, way more. I felt terrible that I couldn't be good at everything. Mm. Um, again, just with the uh, funny little side note for the classics lessons, I remember being so bored one day um, that I wrote help me on top of my notes. Um, and he went through my folder and saw it. <laughs> Uh, Lorna, do you require some help? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm dying currently as I live. Let me out, please. Um, but with that specific one, sort of my, my, my good friend, um, he couldn't understand why I couldn't pay attention. Hmm. I couldn't understand why I couldn't pay attention when it was something I was really interested in. Um, and I got a really rubbish A-level mark in that, which is quite distressing because... I love it. And now I can't remember any of it. Mm. <laughs> um, prior to that, I think I've always been a daydreamer. Um, I've really struggled to focus on things, but I can cover it up quite well. Um, looking back over my school reports, it's a lot of Lorna needs to revise. Lorna needs to focus more if she's to achieve her true potential. Mm. And looking back on that, that was quite a shock. Cause I always thought I was quite, on it but no <laughs> I was in Lorna land <laughs> <laughs> there's also an element because as alluded to before like we met each other at Falmouth University both doing photography degrees and there's almost the stereotype of it being like well they're not great at focusing on like the academic subjects but they're arty and creative and it's just it's one or the other you know it's a bit like it's a left side brain thing yeah. Um, as opposed to it being like, no, they could be both. It's just the way in which the academics being delivered just does not like that's you're having to pay attention to someone doing something, whereas the mm. creative is you just do it yourself, regardless of whether it's right or not. And arguably, yes. it's never right. It's just <laughs> it is. Exactly. Exactly. That's probably why we're drawn to that. And thinking about coming to uni, that's classically ADHD as well for me um because mm. as I said um, earlier I wasn't going to go and then I broke up with my boyfriend at the time and then three days later I was like right I've got to get out of here I've got to do something three days later I'd applied to Falmouth mm. um spur of the moment I like wildlife that'll do <laughs> 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 I don't even really think I was big on cameras i i liked it but it wasn't really <laughs> what, what a damning indictment of Falmouth's selection process Oops. people probably <laughs> like, i really want to go to Falmouth. it's the best <laughs> photography school in in the uk oh i didn't get in no worry the barrier's really high Little lorna forks comes along like ah, oh, i think i know what a camera oh, is I, <laughs> <laughs> I like animals why not That's 400 miles from home perfect <laughs> <laughs> But literally, everyone else, I felt bad, actually. Everyone else on my course had had an interview and a really intensive selection process. I didn't have an interview. I didn't have anything. Um, I had to just prepare a portfolio. Mm. I took a really shit picture of a damselfly, um, and I was in. Evidently, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that shit, then. No, oh, no, maybe it was good. I look back on it now, and it's like, oof. Mm. Yeah, but that's a, <laughs> that's a pre-first year uni student. Yeah. No, no one before university is good at photography, and I'm, no. <laughs> I'm willing to say that. <laughs> I'm willing to be like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're probably all right relative 
and you're going to be so much better at the end of it but no one's yeah. no one's producing their best work prior to university that goes to university that's true that's true um so one of the things like that that impulsivity is a big trademark of adhd mm. like the ability to almost like to not be bogged down by the idea of consequence and just going forwards mm-hmm. and i feel like impulsivity is one of those where maybe it's just a uk culture thing or even a western society thing of just like thinking or acting without thinking and are there are there other moments in your history where you go i did something impulsive and actually that that was the adhd because it doesn't really make sense why i did that yeah um i, I don't think i've ever done anything that's been destructive to me or maybe a few select choices in relationships that were a mm. bit impulsive but I've not really done anything like I'm quite a cautious person um so I, I will talk about the autistic side later um but I have these two parts of me battling out all the time so there is the really impulsive part and then there is the bit that needs that routine and stability mm. so all of my impulsivity has been traveling I think or um yeah coming to uni leaving home for 400 miles away without batting an eyelid um breaking up with a boyfriend and then immediately booking a trip to sri lanka that sort of thing Mm. um and spending money is another thing (laughs) 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 um okay so (laughs) let's talk about university then Mm -hmm. because i i find university such an interesting just mad three years to talk about because so much happens like three years of development it feels like 10 years worth of development crammed into three years in hindsight what effect what impact did adhd have on your experience at uni it's a hard one because my course was so freeing like we were barely there for lectures I think we may have one one or two a week. Um, But I would always really struggle with the one on a Monday morning, which was literally um, our old lecturer sort of just wittering on. I could not concentrate in that. But the rest of it was just go out and explore Cornwall. Hmm. Go do it. You create your projects. Um, And that was just perfect for me, really. Um, When it came to deadlines... I always thought I was okay, but when I reflect back on it, the conditions had to be right. Like I couldn't work unless it was a certain um, certain time of day. Like I preferred to work in the evening. The, the sun's got mm. to be so low. Um, I've got to listen to a specific type of music. Otherwise I just can't do it and I get distracted. Mm. And then when I'm working, I have to have music on, TV on, talking to people at the same time. I have to be doing an immense amount of things at once to be able to concentrate on that one thing. Mm. And I'd always work right up until the deadline. I'd always get it done in time, but it would be very last minute. Otherwise I felt like I hadn't done it properly. Mm. Yes. Do, do you find then that procrastination is a thing that you struggle with? Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> Massively. Why that is because it's almost like it contrasts with the, you know, the hyperfixation you'd think would be like, I've been given a task, I must do it. But it, yeah. for my experience, it's always like, I've been given a task, I'm excited to get into this in two months' time. <laughs> 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 it's an interesting one. I think um, 
personally, I get so overwhelmed by what I could do with it mm. that I just can't do it. So it's too many ideas flowing in at once. I can't narrow it down. Then I get stressed and then have a panic attack and then push it to the side. Think, nope, that can wait. Mm. <laughs> um, it's an interesting one. So second year of university, moved okay. out of halls and we all lived together. You, me and Ollie Watts, who is Ollie the, he's the, the third <laughs> person of this podcast. Um, <laughs> did... Because, again, another thing with university is it's three years of being very selfish. And I think it's yeah. I think it's good selfishness in as much as as long as you aren't hurting people. But you are focusing so much on yourself and you're going, what am I going to do with my life? I'm at this place where I'm going to get a qualification that will allow me to go and do more things with my life. And these people exist here for three years, but then they might not afterwards and stuff like that. Yeah. I I said this on the, on the podcast with Ollie my lack of awareness for what he was dealing with with his mental health when I was dealing with mine is <clears throat> shocking in hindsight because I just didn't... It's not even that I couldn't see it. I could see him there, but I was yeah. like, it's my mental health that's struggling. Give a fuck if he's... Like, I didn't even think he was struggling. So in hindsight... Sorry, I'm the longest question in the world. Um, no, don't worry. That's ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> How... How did you find living as the threesome that we were? And again, it always comes back to, in hindsight, what kind of things do you go like, oh shit, like that was there and I, I didn't even think about it. I could have done this differently and it might have made things easier or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so at the time, it was fucking horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it was so interesting um, listening to that podcast and hearing both your sides of it because obviously I am the center of my world <laughs> I only know what I experienced during that time and to hear the two others it was like, oh gosh mm. wow what a complete picture now um I feel I think I have apologized to Ollie I feel so bad about not I didn't understand mental health at all mm. I didn't but we're thinking that's about nine years ago now I no one really understood it then mm. And it was a burden to us because we wanted to do stuff and our only means of doing stuff was paralysed in the house. <laughs> All right, for what context, he wasn't, he wasn't <laughs> physically paralysed, but no, kind no. of mentally paralysed. Mentally paralysed. For, for the sake of, because obviously people won't have heard the, the podcast, but whilst we were living together, um, your boyfriend at the time, my best mate, he got hit with um, a condition called labyrinthitis, um, which made him super dizzy, super queasy, and kind of just fucked up his physiology for a while. And that led into a generalized anxiety about just leaving the little cottage we were living in. Um, and from an outside perspective, you think, well, this guy's not well. His girlfriend and best friend should absolutely be supporting him. But I was dealing with I was dealing with depression for the first time, like diagnosed depression, um, and then apparently you had some shit going on as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that was probably my lowest point. Um, wow. Yeah, but not as bad as you guys. Not that it's a comparison, but um, I think when I was listening to the um, to the podcast, I so I need to be doing stuff constantly. But I can't because I cannot make a decision about what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then I get um, something called executive dysfunction where you just can't do anything at all. So your brain is like, will you move? And your body's like, absolutely not. Hmm. Um, and that spirals. And I often need people to make the decision about what I'm going to do. So I think um, when I first met you guys, you were so proactive and you were doing things all the time. And it was so exciting and, you know, really spontaneous. Like it really fed on my ADHD. Oh, yeah, we're going to go to a gig in Birmingham and come back the same night. Yeah, go to a <laughs> lecture at 9am. Yeah, we did all these things and it was awesome. And I didn't have to make a single decision. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when that yeah. hit him, no one was helping me. <laughs> mm. I had to make the decisions, but then no one would come and do anything with me because everybody was very depressed. <laughs> and have since I've um, struggled with agoraphobia I don't know how we managed to do anything at all I really mm. don't um so apologies <laughs> well yeah I, I I think that's the thing you know you have to yeah part of it I, th I think that there is a stage I'm willing to be very general right now and say that with mental health situations there's an emo there's a moment where you first have the awareness of I'm struggling with a thing I've given the thing has a name and whether you want to or not, you do take on a bit of a victim mentality. And at worst, it's like, I can't do anything because of the thing. But even at best, it becomes, I am now the thing. I'm the living embodiment of the thing. And, and that's all that matters. Mm. And it becomes like, my focus became on depression. And I wanted to learn all about depression. And that's what I was focusing on. That's why I can't function, everything like that. And again, that's why I wasn't, wasn't looking towards well, what's, what is the mental health like of the people around me? It's yeah. like, I just discovered I've got mental health. I don't know if you guys have it yet. Yeah. Exactly. Um, do you remember the... Well, I, I'd be shocked if you didn't remember it. <laughs> what were your feelings the day that you came back? Um, I'd massively fallen out with both yourself and Ollie, and I was like, I'm moving out. What, what was that like? <laughs> oh... I can still feel Bring it like back. a ball of anxiety um, because like part of ADHD is um, like rejection sensitivity dysphoria. So if anyone criticizes me in any shape or form, I cannot cope, which is not good when you are in an arty kind of field. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and probably why I haven't succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't take it. So I didn't, understand what was going on I hadn't done anything that I was aware of personally so you not talking to both of us um was very stressful because mm. I just had no idea what was going on and I think with the autistic side of me is if anyone changes how they are um so I get used to people being a certain way if mm. that then changes and I can feel their mood is off it's like a dagger in the heart. I just, I don't know what to do about it. So that day you're talking about, oh, <laughs> what the hell have I done? <laughs> Why does they want to live with me? <laughs> yeah, oh, me I'm fine. I get not him. <laughs> but that must have been gem. weird though. Because the, the change wasn't just like, oh shit, like John's changed. It was we'd all changed massively in this quite short space of time. Like yeah. that must've been like, 
oh, I've got no got no foundation. And then because it was, you know, you, we weren't going to stay in that cottage anyway. It no. was We were looking at, you know, where are we all going to stay? And then all of a sudden, actually, I'm going to go and live on my own. And so this is the uncertainty of what happens next, you know? I did bring it all back to myself, though, which mm. is terrible. Um, but yeah, I was just like, well, what what the hell have I done? Mm. Am I that unpleasant to live with? <laughs> and it's like, I'm always seeking a place that feels safe for me. So when home isn't safe, it's so unsettling. Mm. Um, but probably from that moment, it felt a bit better because I knew what was going to happen. But mm. Weird times. I- I guess the other side of it is as much as it's a change and transition you have to deal with, it's not a faceless feeling of change where it's like, oh, something's off. You'd be like, something is off and I I know what it is. Yeah. And there's some structure to that. Yeah, I know what's happening then Mm. and it's better. Uh, Hold on two seconds. I just need to grab my phone. trying to pay for zoom as we talk <laughs> and i've just received a text with the thing have you ever, have you ever seen the program um flowers flowers no it's got um olivia coleman in it Ooh, and that. um oh the guy i can never remember his name from the mighty boosh that isn't Noel fielding um oh my god uh julie <laughs> julian barrett that's the one yeah um brilliant show uh Mm -hmm. sort of it focuses it's it's like a dark comedy focuses a lot on um his depression julian barrett's depression yes i've i think i've seen an episode of it really great stick with it i feel like um if we were to sum up second year of uni Mm -hmm. it would be a cross between that show and peep show (laughs) <laughs> it's a pretty good cross yeah <laughs> and just coincidentally both have olivia coleman in them so they do <laughs> <laughs> therefore olivia coleman is the source of depression we figured yeah, it out fuck her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i there's an element of the the older you get the more introspective you get the more yeah. you understand your process and like i say university is just figuring out who the fuck you are but even then, oh, wow. you know, you still finish university. Like, I don't really know who I am. I think I went backwards. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, I I feel like I came out of uni not knowing anything at all. Hmm. I feel like I've only in the past couple of years started to learn more about myself. And more so this year with the whole ADHD autism thing. Hmm. How... So there's a statistic, not statistic, a uh, almost like an anecdotal fact that I learnt when I was doing one of the many ADHD courses I've done through work, which was that um, a lifetime of undiagnosed ADHD is more harmful to a person than a lifetime of smoking. (laughs) And that was wild to hear. Yeah. But actually on reflection and thinking about what it means because essentially for anyone who's like what the hell does that mean (laughs) the idea being that if you don't know that you've got these neurological diversities to you that mean you find it really difficult to concentrate you you know you find things like 
boring. Um, you have to hyperfix like all these these little things. If you try and fit yourself into a society that is not catered for neurodivergence, you're you're swimming upstream whilst everyone's swimming with the current. That yeah, I have described that as my life for years. I feel mm. like a salmon. <laughs> Go back to wildlife. Um, well, so in moving forwards, then how how has a positive diagnosis changed the way that you interact with the world? It's like it's okay if I'm sticking with the salmon analogy. Mm-hmm. It's like um, a new stream has opened up for me with people that are the same. Mm. Um, and we're all working towards the same thing. Um, so since I started researching this, I have met so many people that have it as well. Um, and it's just been so beneficial. I think. I, and finally, like I feel like I can be myself. I've not been myself since I was a kid. Probably even the person you met at uni wasn't truly me because I was trying to fit in with you and Ollie. You have a very distinct way of being. Mm. So I was trying to fit in with that as well. Um, but yeah, now I just feel totally comfortable working on who I am, mm. being a bit daft, stupid. Um, if I can't cope with a situation, I will outright say now, um, because why should I make my life difficult? <laughs> mm. Hugely. Um, cause that's, that's the kind of answer that I, I almost like reach for because it's mm. how does the version of you with this awareness navigate a situation that you prior to it wouldn't and I guess that is one of them is is there's so many social aspects with ADHD um you know so for some people it's just the inability to read kind of social cues and you just jump into a conversation and just say anything but then being like I know that I do that and I also know that people don't like that or the right I need to be mindful of like is this the right thing to do so before diagnosis it's just like I just do this naturally which you could argue is that's you being your true self but then the version of you that knows the diagnosis can learn social dynamics on a deeper level that you couldn't previously yeah and also you wouldn't punish yourself where Mm. before you make all these social faux pas um interrupt people speak over people forget to ask people questions back and afterwards you're left feeling oh god and you ruminate on that for hours and hours and hours whereas now um I can be like that's okay Mm. (laughs) I will not punish myself for that because my brain's a bit squiffy (laughs) (laughs) but it's obviously like you're saying it's still a work in progress right yeah absolutely so we're recording this podcast today and it was going to be we started at five I mentioned to you before, I've actually been home since like 2.30 and we could have started whenever. I can't believe you didn't tell me that. You'd you'd basically (laughs) just been waiting for five o'clock to come around. You might as well have been watching the clock. Yeah. Is there not a part of you though that goes, what am I doing? I I know that ADHD is, I should just go and do something. But I can't, I physically can't. (laughs) But then I thought, okay. So my current thing is doing my digital illustration. Mm. Um, I thought, okay, I'm going to do that in the meantime. But my pen didn't work. My pen has stopped working. Oh, no, <laughs> the stylus is down. 
stylus no more and I don't know why and then I got really angry about that so then I couldn't sit and occupy so because that's something that's quite physical that's something mm. that I can sort of do um tactically to keep that part of me occupied um and I couldn't do that so yeah literally have just been sat there going over your old podcasts to make sure that I come across as normal but why am I trying to do that <laughs> but this is the point right like it's still there are so many ingrained behaviors and I guess yeah. it's for you to kind of go do I want to change that or am I going ah fuck it it's not you know having quirks isn't a crime you know so at what point do I just go yeah that's fine that's that's just a part of my personality I'll let you know when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still working on it. But that's the trouble with masking for all those years. Um, yeah. But then I got a text from my mum saying, I'm having a real ADHD day today. I can't focus. I've got an appointment at this time. And I was like, oh, same. <laughs> so then we could sort of, you know. So did your did your mum accept the idea of a, an ADHD diagnosis immediately? Or did that take her a bit of time? It took us a little bit of time. Um, I think because she is, uh, how old am I? 20, just about to turn 29. So she's um, 30 years older than me. So she's 58. God, that was painful, wasn't it? (laughs) 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 Um, That is a long time to not know that you have a neurodivergence of some sort that is a very long time and I think she was reflecting on her entire life the things that she's done the things that she could have done Mm. which she hasn't been able to because of of this and that's quite hard to it's a form of grief um Mm. even I had it for my short time on this planet um so I can't imagine what it was like for her Mm. and but she's totally accepted it now and we laugh about it and we can share notes and it's it makes the whole thing so much easier to get through what it's it's interesting as well because there was something you said the other day when we were just chatting about how you know it's it's invisible it's not you know the broken arm that you've had for years and then someone's like you know you can get that fixed and you're like what and then you go (laughs) oh i can i can physically see the difference it's like this is an invisible thing which for a while there are still people who don't who push back against the idea of ADHD even being a thing. Yes. Which is, which is crazy because science has shown it in the brain. Like this is ADHD. And again, what's even more surprising is there's, there's more physical evidence for ADHD than there is for autism. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, and this is just realize people do not know anyone near enough about this stuff. And the more people I speak to, the more people are like, I think I'm going to get, you know, a screen for ADHD. Yeah. It's just all of a sudden gone boom because the the important thing is to share it. Like what I said at the start, I wouldn't know anything about this unless that person I went to school with had shared something on social media. Hmm. That's why I just absolutely love talking about it um, and sharing stories about it. Because if I hadn't had that, well, it'd be miserable. It'd be absolutely miserable. Hmm. I feel like I've uncovered... A really dodgy superpower but <laughs> because I you know and feel free to you know skirt this question as much as you want but I feel like in knowing you and even the things that you've posted on social media there was prior to the diagnosis a sense of your mental health was something that you struggled with a lot and maybe like I don't know what this is because 
the, again, going back to the, the original podcast with me and Ollie, like we both went to go and see a therapist, the same therapist, which is a wild story for another day. Um, or just go and listen to that podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I think at one point, even it was like, are you going to go and see Nikki as well? I wanted to. I yeah. wanted to. And Ollie was like, no, she sees enough of us. <laughs> <laughs> even her, she would have been like, yeah, that's that's too much. <laughs> that's, Poor woman. <laughs> surely I can't see the same house all together. Um, but you, I think you'd explored therapy. And I think, I, I don't know if you know, if you are now, that's kind of neither here nor there. I'd I'd experienced one side of it, which was just like, I fucking love therapy. It's changed my life. That literally, that was opening up the gate for me. Yeah. For Ollie, not so much. There was still an element of, I think, it revealed some stuff, but doesn't didn't necessarily want to go down that path and then kind of had his own way of dealing with it. And yeah. I guess the question is, for you, you explored some of it, but there were these underlying things prior to the diagnosis. And then, yeah. you know, how, how does that feel in hindsight? So I, um, I've always really suffered with anxiety, um, mostly social anxiety. Um, and then, so I started having therapy um, the summer of 2020, COVID, um, because me and Tom, we lived in my dad's living room. Hmm. I'd just come back from um, my world trip. So traveled the world for six months come back, got engaged, and then all of a sudden we're quarantined into one room. Um, and I found it very, very hard because I couldn't do anything. There was no space. Ah! Mm. <laughs> Even thinking about it gets me all, all worked up. So I started therapy then. I think because Tom had just started therapy, I thought, okay, maybe it's time I give this a go. Um, but I didn't want any of my family to hear. So I would go out into my car and do it over the phone in my car. Wow. Um, and I did it for about a year. I didn't get anywhere because mm. all of the things that were coming up were the symptoms of my ADHD and autism. Um, and I felt after, after a year, I was just not getting anywhere. So I just stopped it. And then I came across all of um, the ADHD and autism things. And my anxiety has mostly gone. Mm. I mean, I still get anxious, like sitting and waiting for this, but I get it about <laughs> normal things, not yeah. randomly. Well, I and that's it, right? Like no one's goal should be to be anxiety free their entire life. Like anxiety no, plays natural. a role. Like, it's a natural response. Yeah. The same way that grief is a nat like I wouldn't want to live in a world where I don't feel grief. Yeah. Because yeah. that would be odd. Yeah. Like too odd. Um, Very odd. <laughs> but it, it shines a light, right, on the idea of what getting help for your mental health is. And I think, you know, ADHD is mental health and as yeah. is autism, you know, it's within the brain that's that's what it is and it can just be that people saying with the best of intentions go to therapy so you go to therapy and it's like you speak to that therapist the first time and they're like what do you want to talk about yeah like, i don't know i'm just supposed to be here I, what do you mean what what do i want to talk about <laughs> aren't you a doctor and they go no oh god <laughs> what am i doing here greater than that <laughs> No, it, it was interesting. Um, I really struggle um, talking about feelings because I don't actually know how to talk about them, which I've since learned is probably more autism. Hmm. Um, and everything she would bring up, she'd be like, just 
this week, Lorna, you know, in that voice, this week, Lorna, I just want you to just try and find time for yourself and relax and learn how to feel emotions. Well, how the hell do you do that? I don't know. Mm. That's more stressful for me. And then she would say, um, sort of when my anxiety was kicking in, okay, we'll work through some breathing techniques. Well, that is the worst thing in the world for me because I can't breathe when I'm told to breathe. I, mm. I just cannot do it. Um, so meditation, I really struggle. I really want to be good at meditation, but my brain doesn't shut off and I can't breathe. So yeah, <laughs> not ideal. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, how jumping back to university then, cause we, we joined uh, a meditation club, uh, which is the most liberal arts university thing you could say, <laughs> um, all white people. Um, oh my God. How, how did you find that then? Because obviously the ADHD is, again, it's not something that just appeared one day. Like it's been you the entire time. And yeah. it's us sat in a room with a bunch of strangers. We're all no. sat on chairs and we're just sitting there in complete silence. I'm not going to lie, Nod. I found it very weird. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> but I liked doing something with you. It was mm. great. And I like the premise of meditation. And it's something I want to be good at. Um, I love everything about it. I just can't mm. do it unless someone is maybe guiding me through it mm -hmm. so if we're just sat in silence my brain would have been thinking about everything and I would have been worried about how I looked with my eyes closed is my mouth sat in the right place all of these really obscure thoughts mm. um and when they came over and did that healing of the head well my eyes would just water because I wanted to open my eyes and see what was going on and they would just be like <laughs> watering it was so uncomfortable so tense <laughs> oh because <laughs> oh, you you didn't come to the meditation retreat thing did you no what was that oh I don't know if I've ever spoken to you about this I guess no. I'd have had no reason to so so the meditation no, club exactly. did a, did a field trip thing to some part of Cornwall where we all went to this person's house and from the moment we stepped in the house to when we left, no talking, just oh complete silence. Oh my God. And I want to say it was like eight hours or something and you you all just sat together and then one by one, you went up to this room, which was, so the type of meditation, this is called Diksha meditation and it's based on something i've literally forgotten all of the yeah i forgot i've even forgotten that word until you just said it there we go. <laughs> um, but you went up to the attic of this house and there was this shrine dedicated to whoever the main diksha people are oh god and you just you were just like right just just sit here for like half an hour and just meditate <laughs> and it was it was so surreal to just be there and be in complete silence Could i you do i it? I enjoyed it because I think part of me loves the idea of like challenging myself. Yeah. I'd be lying if I said, it was like, oh my God, it's the most fun in, in the world. I was like, <laughs> so boring, but oh God, that's, that's what's brilliant about it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm the problem. I must <laughs> struggle through this. Um, and yeah, and I've never done anything like that since because yeah. I just, I don't know. I it's just, I haven't thought about it in ages. Something like that. Again, like you said, to challenge yourself. Mm. But I know I couldn't do it. Um, and actually, um, when I saw my dad at the weekend at the Ramstein gig, um, we were talking about a similar thing. And um, his PhD student, who is great, is so funny. He went to a meditation retreat for a week. Um, 
And then all of a sudden, a few days later, he appeared back at my dad's work. And my dad was like, oh, hang on, aren't you supposed to be at this uh, retreat? It was like, I ran away. They <laughs> 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 took his phone. You weren't allowed to talk. Yeah. Um, they literally take everything away from you. And it was, like, it was too cultish for him. <laughs> cult of no phones. Yeah. <laughs> Being present with people. Imagine oh, the horror. <laughs> it <sounds> horrible. <laughs> so let's... Let's add in then um, autism. So at what point did that come about? Mm. Do you know, that's always something I've, in the background of my psyche, known about myself. Mm. Um, And then I think the crux for me was my last job. um, I worked at a botanical gardens and a girl started working there and she had ADHD and I just don't feel like I've ever connected to anyone so much in my life. Sorry, no. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking <laughs> news. Affair Breaking confirmed. News. <laughs> she was just, oh, I love her so much. And mm. she, she really helped me with the ADHD side of things. And then it came out that um, she thought she had autism as well. And we started chatting about that I was like you know I have no doubt in my mind I have no doubt in my mind and then again came the research Mm. for autism autism in women which is completely different to to in men Mm. um I was like I've got just no doubt but you bring it up to people friends family um and they just don't believe you and Mm. you feel like you're almost making up the symptoms in yourself when I know deep down this is how I've always been but I've just put on a different front to fit in with you <laughs> mm-hmm. and so I've had a screening for that um but it's too grand for a full assessment um so I'm just waiting but she did say to me I was the highest um scorer that she's ever had I was like, oh my yes <laughs> high score confirmed I um, told you <laughs> like, so I don't need to do the assessment then like no I've got it, <laughs> I've got it. I know I've got it because they're there certainly is like autism I feel definitely ranks above ADHD in terms of stigma their parents the idea of you know being told by a teacher I think you should get your kid checked for ADHD versus getting checked for autism one is Mm. like oh okay fair enough the other one is like that's when you get parents going I I don't want to test because if I don't test the label doesn't get attached if the label gets attached it's going to be medication it's going to be all of this and oh, my son's or daughter is, is going to be so different. It's because we don't understand it. We only know the extreme cases. Yeah, that's what we think of immediately. Like uh, with autism, it's immediately either if you're severely autistic, it's um, people that can't talk or feed themselves or can't go anywhere um, or, you know, little boys with trains. That's really all people think of. And it's mm. so varied. I've read so much about it and you couldn't get more different i think every autistic person is different which makes Mm. it hard (laughs) but all of them are different Mm. completely um but i don't feel like a stigma i feel proud like i it's that knowing of understanding yourself finally it's like a a barrier has come down and i can finally be myself which i've Mm. never had my whole life so did that happen instantly or or was there a point of being like part of me hopes that I don't have this because of that just ingrained stigma yeah I I don't think I've ever thought that I don't 
want to have this. Mm. Um, it was a struggle at first with everyone sort of not taking me seriously. And even now, like I've had the screening and it's come back extremely high. Mm. People still expect me to act the same. They still expect the same Lorna, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not at all. And they've not taken it in. Um, and that's probably why sometimes a full diagnosis is beneficial because you get that help. You get the adjustments. I feel bad asking for adjustments, but I I need them. Otherwise, yeah, I break down. But that's that's it, isn't it? It's that's the struggle for neurodivergent people existing in um, a world that doesn't cater to them. Like you will find a way to fit into that the circle, fitting into the square peg kind of thing. Mm. But it's like you know you don't need to. You no. you're allowed to ask for change. But I think yeah. we're just we're just so conditioned to the idea of like no you you know manners are a thing and you have to be quiet mm. at the dinner table you can't you must fit in with what everyone else is doing and be like but why if I could do my thing we'd all be happier we'd all get on much better yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely I think I found the autism one a lot harder to digest than the ADHD one mm. I couldn't tell you why um, with the ADHD you know, I felt very validated. You know, he said to me, I knew you had this the minute you walked in the room. I was like, finally, someone can see me. Mm. Um, but the autism one was kind of sad. So I was like, how can no one have noticed this in me? Yeah. <laughs> that's my own fault for masking it for so long. So that's, I'm glad you said that because I, that's one thing I wanted to talk about with this is, yeah. you know, with ADHD and with autism, that difference between the presentation within men and women, boys and girls, it's like for ADHD, it, it's nice and clear because the association of it and the stigma of it is it's naughty boy syndrome. It's, mm. it's the little kid in school who can't sit still, is running about, not paying attention. And that's what most boys who have ADHD look like. And that's where the stigma of it being like, it's the parenting. They're not teaching their kid how to you know function or it's just that. Yeah. But then the more we learned about it in women was women have ADHD and little girls have ADHD, but they develop the skill of masking and you just don't see it. And therefore mm. you see the kid who's acting out, but you don't see the quiet, the quiet kid is like, oh, they're a bit shy, but that's okay. Okay. Yeah, they're fine. Mm. Let them get on with it. Yeah. It's, oh, it's completely crazy. Um, oh, and, and just to take those masks down are, oh, it's hard. Cause I, I, you're left with like not knowing who you are really. Mm. Um, and then with, with both of them, there's such contrasting things, but they both have um, similar symptoms in a lot of cases. So with autistic people, there's a lot of fidgeting and daydreaming and um, a lot of ADHD traits cross over. So it's like, where does one begin and the other end? And then you sort of spiral again, like, oh, my God, what am I? What am I? <laughs> um, but with the so with the ADHD, it's hard because you need that spontaneity. Like I book a flight to Brazil tomorrow. Great. But the autism, I need my routine. And if I don't have that routine, I I struggle so much. So like back at school. Um, I'd get a bus to high school and I would have to leave on the dot at 7.54. If I left at 7.53, I was too early, 7.55, too late. It had to be 7.54. Mm. 
and if that didn't happen it was stress city (laughs) (laughs) always struggled with eating my lunch like it had to be I don't know easy things to eat I don't like it if cheese goes a bit hot and wet I'm having thought that I'm not fussy with food actually I am I am quite particular um yeah it's so much it'll probably come to me in random points to talk about but there's there's an element of this I'm thinking about now which is that your personality as I've as I've known you you've always been like you know almost like comically anxious that (laughs) you know you're kind of like a bubbly personality and you're just kind of like Oh, I'm trying to think of an animal that's at. For some reason, I'm thinking of a duck, but actually, oh, I don't know no, you're close. Do you know someone's compared me to a swan before? So above the surface, oh, yeah. I'm elegant and I appear like I'm with it, but under the water, I'm pra- like frantically paddling. Very mental, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's just the the quirks which we then can go. That's the presentation of ADHD and autism. Mm. They're in such a way that you know people, not in a harsh way but are laughing at you and it just becomes a thing of like, oh, we're having fun, you know? Like, it's just, you know, if you got startled by something, it would be funny, right? (laughs) Like, it's just as a quick example. But then you think like, but if all this time that had just been like part of your mental health showing itself and the general reaction from people was to laugh at it. Yeah, it's quite tragic, isn't it? It is, yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> there you go there's something for you to talk about with your therapist <laughs> i've been laughed at my entire life i have and i've become i became the class clown i did mm. at school i did um you know i guess i'm not embarrassed to say like at high school my nickname was the ass cracker because i would just fart all the time to make people laugh <laughs> <laughs> of course you did no wonder you went out <laughs> But, oh, I don't know. It, it, it's so weird. Mm. Um, I'm reading a really interesting book um, called Unmasking Autism. And it's just so validating. Mm. And I know that I giggle and laugh a lot. Um, and there's a table in there with um, kind of like traits that autistic people have that they're told are not not right. So we become a different thing. So it's we've been called, I don't know, cold and aloof um, Mm. uh, because we're just sort of focused on our surroundings and ourselves. So to compensate, we become the class clown or overly giggly or something like that. Oh, that is me. Mm. That is me because I could easily just sit here stone-faced. I'd be very happy, um, but no one else would think I was. So Mm. to compensate, giggle, giggle, giggle. The giggle factory. um yeah oh that's so interesting yeah because again a lot of people ascribe the i not the idea the ascribe traits of autism of not being able to understand social cues to a detrimental degree but what you're describing is understanding not only social cues but your own awareness of self of i've got to develop this skill to to fit in more yeah and I guess that's the thing like when you probably say to people you know I'm being tested for autism I think I've got autism they'd be like no because you know we get on with you you're you're great in conversation I have to work hard Mm. like ever since we agreed to do this and have a chat about it I was so so excited but I've been running through my head like rehearsing what I will say 
Hmm. I mean, I haven't said anything I've rehearsed. But <laughs> I was just I... <laughs> about to ask that. <laughs> because I cannot remember it. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. So you might um, have done then. I may have done. Who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I rehearse conversations beforehand um, in order to fit in. I feel like I change who I am to fit in with different people. Um, and I've always done that. Always. I... So when I went to America, yep. I I stole your giraffes and What? You know not your not little giraffe. giraffe statue where the necks intertwine. Oh. Um yeah. Yeah, I stole your giraffes and I took photos of them in various places in New York. And then when you I came back I made a bitch. video and I showed it to you. I don't remember now, that. Oh, do you not? Maybe you've I don't repressed the memory. At all. Because, because I was like, now in hindsight, I've been like, I've disrupted the structure of someone who that could have actually been quite a cruel thing to do. Because it's more than just like, oh, you, you know, that's kind of funny. You've taken a thing and it's, it was there and now it's back. As opposed to being like, why have you touched my stuff? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, I haven't seen them for years. <laughs> I barely remember them. Okay. What did you do with them? (laughs) I'm just looking out my window and a a bubble has just flown up into the sky. (laughs) That's quite magical. Just massively (laughs) distracted by the world around me. Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Do you think then, because you said it before, there's an element of these diagnoses like ADHD is a superpower. Yeah. Because and I think that's the crucial thing. Like I've presented a lot of this as let's talk about the hardships of it because I think it's important to recognise that it is a struggle it's to have these conditions it. without <laughs> without the awareness of it. Yeah. But now, when you look back, what have been the benefits of the way the, you being the way you are? Oh my! I get excited about things. And I get very excited about things. Um, and the creativity that comes from that is great. But it's now learning how to harness it because I will get overwhelmed with ideas. Mm. But I've got the capacity to do so many things in my life. Um, but you're always told you've got to do one thing. <laughs> so that kind of goes against what's normal. So I've held back. But I think I could do a lot of creative things and it would be amazing Hmm. um and i can get good at things quite quickly um and i listened i like so much different music because i can listen to a whole range of things because i get bored listening to one thing i don't know it's there's just so much there's Hmm. so much um i think the personality is infectious because of the excitement and like you can get people excited about things um and inspire I don't know. Mm. There's a big element of variety in what yeah. you're saying there, right? Like you, you're more readily open to new experiences because you need mm. that dopamine hit of something new. Really and it's do. funny because I've never thought of an eclectic music taste as being kind of potentially enwrapped in ADHD, but it's like I... Well, I just said it. <laughs> well, I, I love the fact that music like tickles my brain but i can literally like put getting in the car with me is 
a recipe for disaster if my music is on shuffle. Because for me, it's the most natural thing in the world to just be like, you know, death metal into classical, into rock, into, you know, yes. R&B or whatever. Even Why into like it? comedy music comes in and I'm like, I'm still having it at the same time. And yeah. someone else is like, what is happening right now? <laughs> you know, it's it's like the equivalent of being like, all right, I've just cooked like the most amazing starter for you. It's incredibly, that's like fine cuisine. And the next thing we're going to have is just like, a tin of cold beans. And you're like, I'm still loving this. Yes. <laughs> I'm I, having I a great time. You resonate with that. I can't listen to um, a whole album. There's no way. Really? I can't do it. I've always had to have shuffle. Because mm. I just get so bored. I need... Well, with like autism, I think the um, the idea is that they people with autism don't like any kind of um, sensory thing. But in the book I'm reading, there are sensory seeking autistics and that is who I am. Mm. I constantly need sensory um, input. I need loud music. I need, um, I don't know, yeah, hair playing with. I just need something all the time. Mm. Um, and it's really interesting. Um, and yeah, music, as you say, it can go from classical to complete death metal. It's, but that's great, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I just, and I guess for some people it's the structure of like, I I get what people say when they go like, I've just created a playlist, it is immaculately crafted, song one through to song 20, it's a journey. I have so much respect for that, but as someone who listens to music, like, like music matters to me more than photography, more than anything else in my life, like music, Ooh. but I, I do not have the capacity to explore music in that way. It's just, I just need to experience it. I just shovel it in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you find it hard to listen to music you don't know live? Live? Mm. As in there in person or like a live video? Uh, in person, in yeah. In person. Um, I mean, it's always been a thing that, you know, if you see a band, or you've gone to see a band and they've got support acts that you don't know, that just, I don't remember any song. But that could yeah. be that the bands I'm listening to are shit. So it's <laughs> not writing good songs. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I've never never really thought about that. Something um, Tom really struggles with. He can't go and see bands that he doesn't know. Oh, okay. So when we first met, um, it was a Devon Townsend gig. Mm -hmm. But I think um, Delano may have had another ticket offered it to Tom and Tom said no because he didn't know him and now he loves him and he's really frustrated at that part of himself that said no mm. and I completely get that I really struggle with music I don't know mm. I really switch off um especially if it's live and I realize again with the sensory seeking stuff when I see live music it has to be quite extreme so Ramstein on mm. Sunday oh you cannot beat it <laughs> you cannot. Do it. I can't go and see an acoustic artist. I can't. It's not enough. Yeah. To stimulate the old noggin. Well, that was the thing when we we went to go and see Seether. Right? We were like, I guess the music's good, but they didn't do anything on stage. It was no. boring to be there. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> but you're you're right in front of them. It's this band that you know and songs that you enjoy. But yeah, yeah, it's just. Well, where's you know. the fire? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, the thing is now, Ramstein has spoiled you for live performances. They have. So, you know, what you I was reflecting it. when I saw them when we first saw them. Can you believe it's oh, nine yeah. years ago? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I was thinking about when Ollie found that phone. Yeah. Chinese Dave. Chinese Dave. I remember Chinese Dave. <laughs> That was his name on Facebook as well. It's not yeah. a racist thing. We're not racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's us cancelled forevermore. Um, Absolutely. What a time. <laughs> How comfortable are you talking about the relationship of ADHD and recreational drugs? Oh, yeah. Go on. Hit okay. me. <laughs> well, okay. okay. So in... First year of uni, we, we were partial to <laughs> we some, were a bit naughty, weren't we? <laughs> some recreational drugs. Yes. And it is interesting. And the thing is, I credit said, said recreational drugs with expanding my enjoyment of music. Because yeah. for the first time, it was that thing of like, we would just sit in the room. It was me, you and Ollie. And we would just listen to a specific genre of music. And it would be like, oh, God, this is amazing. I love it so much. And he, must have sounded like such assholes to anyone who was in who saw us but the feeling was so More true than most of the students there. oh yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean we weren't listening to anything like unbelievably like highbrow there was a lot of james blunt so oh there was wasn't there, <laughs> yes, there was. <laughs> it's like god he's got a great voice oh hasn't he <laughs> so funny on twitter god god i'm so just loving life right now his and a lot trousers. M eighty three. Yes. M eighty three. Whatever. I still get contact highs from some of those songs. Me um, too. But when when you were going through, going through, when you were experiencing <laughs> those highs again, looking back on it, was there anything that you go like the way that my ADHD, my autism was interacting with those drugs was interesting? Like, did you feel anything? like i don't know more profound i don't know really what i'm, I'm saying just i'm yeah. just curious yeah no um gosh it's so long ago isn't it so weed has always been a struggle for the adhd mm. um because because of the fact that i need to constantly be moving um and doing things and then when when i took weed I would just, I couldn't move. I would mm. have to sleep and I would forget everything I'd seen the second I'd seen it. Mm. And it was just utterly, utterly frustrating. <laughs> that, so people use weed to relax, to sort of calm down. For me, it sort of makes me panic because I cannot do what I normally want to do. Mm. Um, the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, I mean, for sensory things, mm -hmm. that was so completely heightened. It was just fantastic. Like, do you remember Ollie's fluffy dressing gown? Absolutely. I'm <gasps> devastated that it, it's gone somewhere. And you, I, Where? Oh, who knows? We lost so much. We lost so much in the great sweet so um, exodus. I think that's a step. <laughs> I'll remember that feeling of that dressing gown to my dying day. <laughs> yeah. I've still got the um, <laughs> Abercrombie and Fitch trousers. Oh! Yeah. Didn't we all wear them at some point? <laughs> I think we did. They're like size yeah. fucking 
six XL or something stupid. <laughs> They're just so big. Um, yeah, I wore them up to my neck. Yeah. Um. <laughs> we did a lot of photography on those recreational yeah. drugs. <laughs> yeah, I love creativity so much. Like for me, I've always had this barrier. Um, I think it's from the whole masking, trying to fit in thing that I will not let myself completely go and be creative for fear of um, criticism. Hmm. But when we were doing that, we would just let go Hmm. and it would actually produce some really awesome shots. (laughs) (laughs) So weed has a detrimental impact on your kind of cognition because even though your biology does the sedative thing, of like, oh, I've I've relaxed, I'm calm. It's it's counterproductive to how your brain wants to be. How yes. how was it then on the other stuff? Great, except for the come down. I don't, I don't know why I'm being so secretive. Were they, were they on heroin? <laughs> <laughs> and in actual fact, MDMA has been shown to be really helpful for people with PTSD. So actually oh, wow. the, the stigma of not talking about mdma is stupid it was mdma everyone yeah it was grow, mdma grow up it's fine grow up. <laughs> <laughs> so did obviously yeah so the come down huge and for for the sake of transparency as well that is a period that existed only at university for me yeah. in second year i tried it once more in third year i didn't enjoy it and i've never touched it again since i wouldn't advocate anyone to do it because it's illegal um and the abuse of drugs is bad so don't take anything that's been said here as like well they said it was really good for artistic development there's loads of stuff that's good for artistic development you've got your own agency you can do whatever you want so is depression yeah (laughs) that's true yeah yeah actually i do the best writing when i'm depressed yeah doesn't mean i I want to be depressed yeah (laughs) so yeah sorry so back to the point then other than the come down what changes did you notice was it a good thing for your cognition or yeah Yeah, it it took everything down and just Mm. kind of let the brain go oh god that sounds so lame doesn't it no but it's (laughs) i think with the context of what we've been speaking about that if you'd said that right at the beginning it'd be like my god that's lame but the context of going like you've got a brain that was and for it to just go like all right we're going down a gear or or whatever it's like oh It's almost like it, yeah, it harnessed that one string so it could actually do something. I don't know. Mm. And then just everything was great. I could focus. The focus, that's probably what it was. Wow. Actually focus on things. So when we were listening to the music, wow, we noticed every single note. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That is it. It's the focus, which I don't have in my day to day. That's why I'm, this is going to sound lame uh really fond of headphones because i've got a set of headphones not not the ones here right but the ones where there's a song i've been listening to recently um shout out uh joji glimpse of us which might be one of the saddest songs i've ever heard yeah you sent it to me (laughs) so sad um but i was just i was sitting here the other night listening to it and i had my headphones on and i was like I'm hearing something that I've I've listened to the song like countless times now. And I was like, there's something that I'm picking up for the first time, like really just sitting with myself to listen really intently, which goes against how I just am. And you could say that's a general thing, like you don't yeah. pay attention to the minute details. But the idea of just sitting with something and going, I'm going to actually try and 
consciously dig through the noise and go, what is that? And there's a, I don't even know how you would describe it. It's almost like a sound effect in that song right at the beginning. There's just like a low bass rumbling. It's not the hit of a bass drum. It's not a, a bass note. It's almost like the sound of someone like pushing a giant piece of oak furniture in the floor above you. And it gives you this sense of dread, which is part of the song of like... Yeah. But without... And I guess this is my point. It's like, without the headphones, I don't think I would have heard it because you need the audio to be so kind of clear and crisp in your head. And that has such an enjoyable, a tangible enjoyment factor to it for me that when we were taking MDMA, that just, every song had those moments. Yeah, it did. It did. And and we, all three of us would experience it at the same time. Mm. I think that's the thing with music. Like you can feel something with music and show it to someone and they just don't feel the same. It's quite crushing on the spirit. Mm. <laughs> but all three of us were like listening and feeling it and focusing on it in the same way. So it was quite magical, really. Mm. Are you <laughs> interested in the idea of psychedelics? I am. Um, my brother's dabbled. Um, but it's just needing to be in a safe place. But I just really would love to see what my brain would come up with. Mm. Because even one of our MDMA nights, I then did um, some weed afterwards and I did hallucinate. Mm. Um, And I'm trying to remember them. They were very obscure. (laughs) So Ollie sort of lying next to me. Um, and he grew this enormous pig snout. <laughs> cool. That just sort of extended out, and it was horrifying. And then you were there, like like a mini you, just oh, sat, no. sat there. Oh, it was so bizarre. But I just would love to see what the brain would come up with. It's yeah. interesting. It's because the way I feel about it is once you start digging into this who am I sense of self thing and looking at you know the way your brain chemistry works and you have a better roadmap of it through like a diagnosis of ADHD or or just even just understanding who you are on a deeper level it becomes this thing of like oh now I want to test the limits of it I want to see where it goes yeah. and I've done mushrooms a few times and it's been Ooh. a wild ride but I've not, never done it at an age where it was like oh this is interesting to reflect how does this change you know my my relationship with anxiety or depression or whatever. Yeah. Um, and LSD has always been, I'm terrified of it because I've only ever heard credible stories of people going off the deep end and being like, they weren't the same afterwards, you know? Like, oh, oh gosh, yeah. No, thanks. No, thank <laughs> I'm, actually, <you. laughs> I'm actually quite happy with my weird mix of sometimes I'm happy and sometimes I'm a little bit suicidal. It's like kind of, <laughs> kind of works for me. <laughs> <laughs> It's weird, that suicidal thing. Um, Mm. Just complete U-turn there. Um, Do you get that? I get that feeling. Well, I'm afraid of death. I feel like there's so much I want to do in my life. There's not enough time. Um, But sometimes I just don't want to exist for a bit because it's all so much. I just want to blip out of existence for a minute and then Mm. come back again. So it's not exactly suicidal but almost is (laughs) well yeah in in a philosophical sense you know dying doesn't have to be this gory affair where you know your body has just lost the ability to function it's it's going somewhere 
you know, mm. especially if you're religious or spiritual, you believe death isn't the end of something. So it's, you know, I just want to experience the thing and I want to move on to the next thing. Yeah. But again, like what you're saying, so, so often there is just that feeling of everything's just quite overwhelming at the moment. I'd quite like to just go to sleep for like a few days, yeah. wake up and ideally not have to deal with not have been around being around for two days. Yes. <laughs> But I just need, and whether it's just I feel like I need to recuperate and it will take X amount of hours, which accumulates into days, or if it's just, I just don't want to be around for a bit. Mm. You know, I just, there is no amount of escapism I can do in a conscious world where the unconscious escapism isn't better. Mm. Yeah. I'm starting to think like that's part of my ADHD slash autism in that I can't really cope with full-time work. Mm. Everything becomes overwhelming. Then all the chores become overwhelming and you just need that time to just not exist for a minute. Mm. And that really highlights to me how the world is not built for us. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I think there is also a factor of our emotional intelligence because of the way we speak to each other when we use language. We are often constrained by our ability to actually talk about the things as we're experiencing them so i was talking about um love to someone the other day and just saying like how we really only have this one word to really describe so many complex things because saying that you love someone can be the ultimate commitment to a person you know this is what you say on the wedding day this means i'm going to be with you for the rest of my life but it also can just mean I'm really strongly affect like I have strong affinity with you, but yeah. not these other things. It's yeah. like it's six out of ten through all the way through to ten out of ten, mm-hmm. but we don't have the capacity to have these different words, so it becomes confusing because things like suicidal ideation, suicide just becomes you want to kill yourself, mm-hmm. you want to die, and you want to do it in a specific way that usually people associate with self-harm as opposed to I just want serene escapism for a bit yeah I don't want to I don't want to be done with this I just want a break for right now and it's a way more philosophical concept but we don't have the language to describe that Mm. if we've never been through things yeah absolutely so you say like I don't want to be here and people go, well, shit, that's a massive warning sign. And it often is, you know, I'm not going to downplay that. But it's the thing, like, when I've dealt with um, clients who have spoken to me about mental health and talking about suicide, I think they often expect me to be like, oh, shit, like, hit the buzzer. They mentioned the S word. And I'm just like, all right, well, you know, what what do you actually want to achieve from suicide? Like, what do you want to get from it? And we just talk about it. And you, often you come to this conclusion of going, well, you know, you don't want to hurt yourself. You've got loads to live for. But no, I get what you're saying. Like, just life's overwhelming right now, isn't it? You need a break. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, we go, I need a break. What is the quickest way I can get a break? Oh, I I could kill myself. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, I, yeah, that, that yes. would work, I guess. Probably few few red flags, but... <laughs> you know maybe maybe go for a swim (laughs) (laughs) but you know come back don't just just go into the ocean and don't say that yeah Yeah. (laughs) reminds me went last year when I got um uh 
agoraphobic um, and I, I couldn't leave the house without having a panic attack. Mm. Um, my doctor said, have you tried going out for a run? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good idea. Can't yeah. physically leave, but okay, <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> like, no, I mean, you know, run around the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Doctor. <laughs> How long have you been a doctor? Yeah. <laughs> Show me your credentials. Yeah. Can I be a doctor? Is it simple? Because <laughs> I think I can do this better. It's so tough though, isn't it? Because I think, yeah. you know, a thing I was reading today, um, I finished an article about um, suicide in children and why it's so prevalent. And one of the things is just recognising that I think for people who explore their mental health and go down the clinical uh, paths of diagnosis and speaking to professionals, which is absolutely, you know, that's that's what you should do. No one should just be in the wilderness with it. Mm. But you realize that access to mental health professionals is difficult and GPs often it is just not their area of speciality because the stuff that they are excellent in is really prevalent and they need to be good at that. And mental health is still like the little bit on the side. Yeah. So even when I was talking to the doctor who was doing my like screening for ADHD, I just got the sense of being like, I'm not trying to be naive or, you know, pretentious by saying this, but I think I know more about ADHD than you. I yeah. don't want to be a WebMD yeah. patient. It's just like, I've got <laughs> qualifications in it. I feel like I've been living it my whole life. And for you mm-hmm. to kind of sit there incredulously going, well, is it a good idea to get a diagnosis? I'm like, oh. I think it is because I, here's a fact. And I gave him the smoking one and he still looked at me like, you know, and I'm never going to try and make a doctor feel like, oh, actually they know more than me. That's just a weird flex. Uh, <laughs> but like, so there's just that sense of like, I, to some degree, am a mental health professional yeah. and I'm speaking to someone who is probably like a mental health semi-professional. And I'm really not trying to sound like, no, but downplaying they're, GPs they're, not, they're way smarter than me so many but. different things they're not going to be a specialist in everything mm. <laughs> are they um I went for my screen in Parade HD it was by a charity so it was private um but that's all they do so maybe that's the difference mm. there um so they knew exactly what to look for um and don't dismiss you in any way because the worst thing people can do is dismiss you with things like this because you know what you experience. They don't know what you experience. So how dare they mm. say, mm. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. <laughs> for, for mine, I think that he had, he had a concern as I was kind of reading his body language that I was wanting a diagnosis and I was going to go down the route of medication Oh. And I was just like, look, I I've no interest in getting medication for this. I feel like I handle life well enough. I've developed coping mechanisms that don't feel strenuous to my life. I'm happy with who I am. It would just be nice to know, yes, this is a thing. Yes, that that's would feel exactly good. It. That's um, exactly it. But for, I mean, you know, again, these are all questions where you have no obligation to answer. But what? What are your thoughts towards medication, I guess, for yourself? Yeah, um, I'm still humming and hawing about it. So I can't, I can't get medication. It's, it's complicated because of being 
private and then claiming off the NHS. So to sum up, it's difficult for me to get medication. Mm. Um, I, I would rather do it myself like oh yes I struggle I struggle a lot but like you said you develop coping mechanisms and now you know what you're dealing with it makes the whole thing so much easier Mm. because you know what it is you're trying to harness whereas before Mm. it's just completely all over the place so I'd rather work on it myself first I think and I think there's an element where you have to go with us I'm so aware the amount of times I've said there's an element in this conversation. It's really bothering me. And I've mentioned this in other podcasts. There's just certain words, for some reason, every time I start a podcast, just keep reoccurring. It's almost like my brain's got like a Rolodex and every like sixth word comes back to the same one. Yeah, I do that though in my day-to-day <laughs> life. I have certain things that I say. So I think I say, um, that's intriguing. Um, lots of words that I repeat all the time. Um, <laughs> um so the fact that you know at this stage i've not got adhd because i've not got a diagnosis for it so i won't say that i do as much as my presumption is that i absolutely associate with all of the symptoms and everything like that um you do have a diagnosis but even in saying that we've both been to university past university and kind of succeeded on that level it's almost about going like just because neither of us are advocates for medication doesn't mean that oh there we go medication for adhd it's bad you know don't do it great thing it's because that's it it's you know we have a mutual friend and i'll I'll leave his name out of this for privacy sake but he got a diagnosis for adhd recently was very badly suicidal um and since the diagnosis and since being on medication is so much more complete as a person that's great and it's just there if there's any massive stigma about adhd it is the idea of medication and i think s- it's a great thing well this is it i i personally do because i work with kids with adhd and without the medication it's so tricky and a couple things i think that would be interesting for people listening about medication is um for one the general consensus is that in america uh, prescription medication is prescribed far too freely, mm. but in the UK, it's not prescribed enough. And it, I know it can feel like you hear about ADHD, a kid with ADHD and they go, oh, they're going to medicate them immediately. That's not what the research shows. No. That actually that it's under um, prescribed. Yeah. The other thing is ADHD medication is in your system for 24 hours and then it's gone. Yeah you don't yeah. it's non-addictive um and it's the thing like you can you can still have like hangovers you can still have come downs from it which is why finding the right medication is important but the idea that zombified children are a result of adhd or zombified adults of medication just is not based in reality no it's not how it is at all it's not like it's just everything to do with adhd um is not seen correctly, I think. Mm. <laughs> um, and I, th- I think if it was easier for me to get medication, I would try it. Um, mm. But if the process is too difficult, then I'm like, nope. <laughs> yeah. At Run the away. end of the day, it, it's like you said before, like everyone with autism 
is is unique with way the ways their autism presents. Same mm. with ADHD. The same with anything. It's all you know. For as similar as you might be to someone, there's always going to be differences. Yeah. And it's an individual choice whether you go. I want to use this thing that is designed to help me navigate life more, or you go. I think I can do it myself. There might be some bumps along the way, but I have the capacity to deal with those bumps. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've said this. Um, I was saying this about uh, my the masters that I'm doing at the moment. Like, I'm really not enjoying it. I find it difficult to sit down and do the work. I think a part of that is the ADHD. Like I find the procrastination is hard. But I know the entire time I'm accountable to my schedule. I know that I can sit down and read it. I just so strongly don't want to. And that's that's a me problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think I could have done some work today and I've been sat at my computer and I actively went like, no, I'm not going to do it. But I could have done. And that's the thing of like going, it's not an excuse. A diagnosis does not become my get out of doing work card. No, that's important because that could quite easily um, be something that I would slip into. But I also like having that option to explain myself Hmm. that I'm not deliberately doing this. I I have this. Um, And my work have been great about it. I said, I think I'll benefit from, you know, going for little five minute walks every now and again so I can focus because I find myself, I just sit and I stare at my screen and I can't do anything. And they're like, yeah, great, do it. Don't have to tell us, just go do it. Oh, you don't think I'm bunking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's mad though, isn't it? How many people would push back against that being like, well, look, Lorna might be able to go off and enjoy that. But if everyone starts taking those those five minute walks, you know, no work will ever get done. Yeah. You just think like, how insincere and horrible do you think your employees are? Yeah. Like, you know, just because there's a guy at work who goes out for cigarette breaks doesn't make me sit at work being like, I'm just going to pretend to start smoking so I can have those breaks. No, it's just, I just do my work, you know, just kind of get on with it. Yeah. But I'll That's- take breaks in other ways, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's so important. Hmm. I'm I'm trying to like... My thing now is working with myself and not against myself. Um, and hopefully that will be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's been success thus far, I'd like to think. Yeah, yeah. I think not feeling guilty that I'm not taking any photos and that um, I've got a different hobby every week. I just don't feel <laughs> bad about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, because there is no right or wrong way to live, especially yeah. when you know, your life is not at the detriment to other people. You might not be succeeding to the the level that you think you need to, but then arguably you could be like, "Um, why do I have these high standards? Shouldn't the standards for living my life just be, I'm enjoying myself? Yes. Why aren't they? (laughs) Why indeed? Why aren't they? We don't know. But that's something for the viewer, well, the listener, that's something for the listener to, to chew on as they go, Whoa, that was a long conversation between two people. (laughs) (laughs) Who are these people? Who are they? God, they're mental. They're just two people who did too many drugs at university and now think they're special. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Lorna, it's been so nice chatting. I feel like because this is the first time I've seen you in a while. Though we chat fairly often, I, I don't feel like I've seen you in years. 
<laughs> I don't think you have. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I know. Oh, it's pretty much the same. <laughs> do you know what I was remembering earlier? Go on. When I was walking to a lecture at uni and, uh, oh, you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> oh, yes. It's a, it's a firm favourite. Yeah. Oh, checking out that arse. Oh, no, it's Lorna. <laughs> Well, I still take it as I was being very complimentary. It wasn't. Yeah, thank to, you. Wasn't meant to be sleazy, um, <laughs> but thank you for not me tooing me. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> you and all the rest. <laughs> please, please, everyone, that oh, is a joke. <laughs> Dark humor. It's a trait of ADHD. So there it is. <laughs> there we go. It actually is. You can Google that. You can't arrest us. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, all that remains to be said is thank you to everyone for listening and joining the ADHD ride. Um, I guess if I have one final question for you, though, Lorna, where? Are there any websites or apps or anything that you found particularly helpful when you were learning about ADHD that you would direct a similarly minded person who's at the start of their journey? Yeah, um, there's a lot of whoops, um, good ones on Instagram that I follow. Mm-hmm. I literally follow hundreds because that's who I am. Um, but one I really love is called I Am Paying Attention, and it sort of focuses on um, women with both autism and ADHD. Hmm. And it's just very validating. Um, really, really good page cool. to follow. Well, there you go. Whether you are that person who identifies as that or know someone who may identify, it's. I think that's the massive bonus to the social media age is in the right pocket, social media is just shit. But... <laughs> the right pages are spreading this really important awareness and support and you get these communities and you go you know what if social media was just these supportive things oh fuck i'd be fine with that well it'd be great no but sharing is caring it is and that's what we've done today we've we've shared and shared alike um yes we've shared cared (laughs) and stared and stared (laughs) (laughs) all right it's getting all rambly Thank you, everyone, for listening, and till next time. (laughs) I won't be here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Glad You Exist is made independently by me, John Leo. You can stalk me on Instagram, where I often post photos of dogs, at John Leo, which is J-O-H-N-L-I-O-T. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash I'm Glad Podcast where I rarely post anything at all, but you can get in contact there. Shout out to my mate Sizzlebird for providing the music for today's episode. Go check out the description for where you can find him and support his excellent chill step violin tunes. And now, all that remains to be said, if you've made it this far to hear my voice, well, I'm glad you exist. <laughs>